Ladies and gentlemen, it is hockey night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Monday, January 13th, 2020. Coming at you live from Parlay in Rockville Center. Big show coming up for you tonight. Former Islander fan favorite Steve Webb will be joining us a little later in the show. Mike Carver from Isle Seed Podcast and Mr. Paul Cuthbert from Go Rangers Radio will all be joining us tonight for a big show. Big viewing party tonight. Islanders versus Rangers playing at the Garden at 7 o'clock. Somehow we made it all the way to January and the Isles haven't played the Rangers yet. And they're going to play them three times in about a week and a half span. So here we are, Parlay. Great night ahead of us. Uh, a lot of stuff going on here. Tony, how are you? What's up, buddy? Big night. Big night here tonight. We got uh, some esteemed guests coming on. It's going to be fun. Guests. We're going to be. Uh, yes. We're going to have some fun. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So my name's Sean Cuth. My pal here, Tony. That's Tony Stabile. And it looks like we lost some audio here. So what's going on? Check, check, check. Hey, hey, hey. All right, we're back. We're back. Don't know what happened there, but here we go. So anyway, got some uh, housekeeping to go through, and then we'll get into the meat of the show here. But again, want to welcome everybody to Parlay here in Rockville Center. And we're going to have Steve up here in a little bit. And uh, just a couple of quick announcements here. We got $3 barn rockers going all night, courtesy of Oyster Bay Brewing. We got uh, <clears throat> free shots after every Islander goal, so let's hope they run up the score here tonight. And uh, going from there, we have... Uh, you know, we have Isles organist Paul Cartier in the house. He's going to be playing as well as DJ Razor. They're going to be here to make you feel at home during the game, perform- performing in-game sounds of the Coliseum. We've got an autographed Matt Martin jersey available. Uh, we're going to be raffling off a bunch of stuff here. Matt Martin autographed jersey, Devon Taves jersey. You've got uh, Oyster Bay Bruin, Born Rocker shirt. We've got another Oyster Bay shirt. We've got these uh, Islanders NHL 94 Yes, Yes, Yes t-shirts. All going to be available for raffle. And uh, as well as a 50-50. So if you like money, we got uh, all that stuff available for you here. And uh, all the proceeds from the raffle is going to go to Steve Webb's W20 Foundation. Uh, it's Mission Foster's Educational and Intellectual Advancement through a scholarship fund for deserving students and promotes social responsibility through athletics. And if you want to get involved also, you can win a pair of Islander tickets on Tuesday, February 11th. that we play in the Flyers at Barclays Center. So you can win a pair of tickets to that game. Uh, tickets for the raffles are $5 for three, $10 for seven, and $20 for 15 And with all of that out of the way, let's get into it. Tony, the Isles are 27-12-4 with 58 points. The three points behind the Pens with two games in hand for second place. Seven points behind the Caps with three games in hand for first in the Metro. And you got the Carolina Hurricanes nipping at their heels, two points behind. The Metro is just uh, the, the toughest division in the league right now. So, Tony, with all of that being said, pal, how does it feel to be Tony Stabile? I feel pretty good. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Tell us why. Good. Tell us why, Tony. Well, look, I mean, you have games in hand. The team has been playing decently well. I mean, you had that little bit of dry spell um, uh, just a few weeks ago. But, uh, I mean, you're starting to see the, you know, the crux of what they're supposed to be doing. You lost Adam Pellick, which is, which is a terrible loss and whatnot. But, I mean, you, you got kids like Noah Dobson, uh, Sebastian Ajo. Thomas Hickey still is not healthy, but he could possibly help out at some point. So I feel pretty decent heading into uh, to this, this week with the Rangers. All right, yeah, and, you know, you bring up how their recent play of late, and it hasn't been as good. Look, it's hard to match that beginning half of the of the beginning quarter of the season. I talked about it with Andy Graziano last week when he was on, and uh, tail of two seasons, they go on that 17-game run, 15-0-2, and everybody's happy, everything's going great. More recently, 
they, they go on basically a 500 stretch up until these last couple games. They're unbeaten in their last three. They, they win the back-to-back games against Colorado and New Jersey, and then they have a tough game against Boston, and they end up dropping that one in overtime. So I guess we'll start there, just talking about that game. And, um, you know, I think it was a good game for the Isles overall, but unfortunately they just came up short. They give up that power play in overtime, and that, was pretty, much, that pretty much sealed the deal. Yeah, I mean, I can't go by the overtime. I mean, you know, the the penalty against Nelson, was it technically a penalty? I mean, Brad Marchand is a top 10 player. I mean, he's going to get that call more times than not. So, you know, you don't normally see penalties get called in overtime. This one did. It came back to bite him in the ass. There's nothing really they could do about it. They played a decent game up to that point. You know, the two games previous to that, they got points in, you know, they took four out of points, four points in those games. So, you know, it was just it was an unfortunate thing. Boston's a top team. It's you know they they get one point out of that game. It's it's hard to you know it, it's hard to, to have a problem with that. Yeah, and especially if you look at the first game against the Bruins earlier on in the season, you're talking three out of four points against one of the top teams in the league. I've been saying it all year. They're the team I'm most worried about in the league right now. The Boston Bruins. Right. They're just a complete team, top to bottom. You know, from forwards down to the goaltending, and not only that, they have the size. And, you know, regardless of what they may or not be doing right now during a regular season, because they've been struggling a little bit lately themselves, but they're going to be one of those teams in the playoffs that you're not going to want to meet just because they know how to play playoff hockey. They have all the tools. And, but you know what? I'll be okay with that if the Isles meet them in a conference final. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I think I mean, I'd be all right with that. And they're going to be there. I mean, they, they are a top team. They are a very, very good team. You look at you know the, their, their upper echelon players. You look at Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, and, and you know, they have a solid defense. Young, young guys back there. Uh, you know, McAvoy's back there. They're goaltending. they got a one-two punch that rivals the Islanders in, in uh, Tuka Rask and in, uh, in, in Yaroslav Halak. Oh, without a doubt. You know, so, I mean, you look at there, they're, they're a, a complete team top to bottom. So it's going to be a matter of what's going to happen, you know, as uh, seating wise going down towards to the end of the season. And it's also going to matter if, you know, if, if the Islanders are able to bring in a player, which I'm sure we'll have a conversation or two about tonight. Yeah, I'm sure we will. And, and you know, we talk about that penalty in overtime, you know, on Brock Nelson that ends up leading to that game winning goal for the Bruins. Let's focus a little bit on just that situation in that game specifically, and then we'll branch out from there, mm-hmm. just what's been going on with this team and, and the power plays lately. And, you know, you see what happened in, in that overtime with Brad Marchand. You know, they're lining up for the faceoff, mm-hmm. and he's decking, what was it, Beauvillier? He was decking him with a cross check. He got on top of him, no call, no right, nothing. Right. And then later on, and now granted, Nelson deserved this penalty. Mm-hmm. It was a penalty, but right. how do you call that? And then just turn a blind eye to, to Marchand uh, only a little bit earlier. Well, that's and that's the thing, you know. I mean, uh, yes, it was definitely a penalty for Marchand. I think if that would have happened after the Marchand penalty, they probably would have called that. But again, it's overtime. But that the Marchand penalty was an obvious call. They had to call it. Marchand's always going to get that call. So I mean, there's there's nothing they could do about it. That play happens after the fact. I think it's a different story. Yeah, I guess so. And and now let's just broaden it out. I mean. You know, we joked about this throughout the, the beginning of the season, and we figured by now, halfway point, right, that this sort of thing was going to balance itself out. The great power play conspiracy, right? <laughs> That's your power play conspiracy, pal, not mine. <laughs> well, it's fun, whatever. So let's look at some numbers here and just talk about that because, again, we are over the halfway mark here, and not a lot has changed. In fact, the, the disparity in power plays for the Islander team has, has grown with them compared to the rest of the league. So yep. right now, they're 18th overall. They're, they're successful at a clip of 18.9%. But after that, 
They've only had 95 power plays all season. That is last in the league by far. The next team above them is the Anaheim Ducks with 121. That is almost 30 more power plays. And that's just the next team above them. And it's over 30% more than what they, For, yeah, than what they currently have. Forget about the rest of the league. That's just the next team up. Right, right. So now you, you look a little more at these numbers here. Only three power plays in the last four games. They had none versus the Devils on Tuesday. Prior to this season, the Isles never had one power play or fewer in four straight games. But yet, this season, they have already had a five-game streak earlier, right? And now they're on another four-game four streak where they've either had one or fewer. So that's ridiculous. And, you know, you average it out. They're getting 2.2 power plays per game, which, which is pretty meager. And so far, they have two power plays or fewer in the last nine straight games. Beyond that, one power play or fewer 15 times this season. I've never heard of anything Bro, like that if you before. keep throwing these numbers at me, I'm going to start getting on your, your conspiracy bandwagon here. Because, yeah, I mean, the numbers show it. It's, it's, there's, something, there's something going on. I mean, it's not even close at this point. And... Just for the record, I stole all of these numbers from Eric Hornick over at the NYI Skinny. I'm shocked Works by that. MSG. I'm shocked by that. He put this all together for me. I just grabbed it from his website, mm. and I'm sharing it here with you now just to come clean here. But I got a few more numbers for you, and then we can talk about it a little more. Okay. okay. They are currently on pace for 181 power plays. The current record low since they started tracking power plays is 191. They started tracking power plays in the 77-78 season. And you know who has that record? It's a team that doesn't technically exist anymore. The Atlanta Flames with 191. Wow. Okay. Isles are on pace for 181. So they're, a, they're on pace to have the least amount of power plays since the stat was even start, started to be tracked. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say, bro. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, it's absolutely crazy. But, I mean, you know, I mean, there's no way to rectify that other than the fact that the referees are, not, are just not making calls. I mean, you know, is it, is it a blatant thing? I mean, look, you can, you can watch any Islander game, and you could see that Barzell is getting hit. He's not getting the same calls that Marchand is getting. He's definitely not getting the same calls that a Sidney Crosby's getting. But, you know, the problem is, is that why are those guys getting those calls, and why is Barzell not getting them? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Well, because most of those power plays are going to come off of a guy like that. It's frustrating for the entire team, but there's one guy that has been frustrating in particular, and that's Matt Barzell, number 13. Now, I'm sure you remember, if you go back to number 91's first couple of seasons with this team. He had the same problem. He had a very similar problem. It seemed like he just wasn't getting calls. Anytime he was hooked, hacked, slashed, what have you, he was always looking at the refs, you know, and it seems like Barzell is going through the same thing now. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe in this league, you're a budding star in a league, you got to earn your stripes a little bit. And, you know, maybe you got to earn some respect from the refs. And Barzell's been a little outspoken, and he actually was recently asked about it. Uh, Arthur Staple had a piece about it in, in The Athletic today, and he was, he was talking to Barzell about it. And, you know, he, he basically said, look, you know, i gotta, I got to calm it down a little bit because he's been chirping the refs. He's been giving them a hard time. You see it on the broadcast. He's giving right, them a hard right. time. He's, he's, you know, running his mouth, and that's not going to help his cause. No, there's and no he's, question. he's acknowledged that, and he said, look, we gotta, we got to dial this back. And, you know, I, I just got to, you know, focus on my game and take it from there. Well, I remember last season that there was a play where he scored and went to, it went to the replay. And he was very animated on the bench like, look, look, what are you, why are you even calling a replay here? Why are you replaying this? Why are you reviewing this? And right. I remember saying to myself, that's not a smart idea because you're, you're on TV. 
the referees watch the other games, okay, right. that's going to get around, and that's that's going to be a problem because on anything that's borderline that they don't have to call, they don't have to call it. So right. is, are we seeing the fruition of that? Has he been a little too animated over the course of the last year or two or so on and so forth, and then that's part of the reason why he's just not getting those calls? Yeah, I, I, it has to play into it. I mean, as far as uh, this whole you know conspiracy line that I'm using, obviously that that's a joke. I, I don't think that the league has it out for the Islanders. No. They're intentionally, you know, not calling you know power plays for them just you know to keep them grounded, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Right. But the fact that we've got to halfway through the season here, I mean, there definitely is something to it. And I've touched on this before, and I really think this is what it is. The Islanders play a very tight defensive game, and they play a very disciplined game. Because not only are they not getting calls, but I don't have these numbers in front of me, but they're not taking too many calls themselves either. It's not like they're one of the most penalized teams in the league. Right, right. They're, they're, just more, not towards, getting... they're more towards the bottom. And, you know, if, if you're an avid hockey fan, you know that, you know, you watch a game, and the refs really don't like a disparate amount of power plays. You know, they usually like to keep it balanced. Now, every now and then you will see one team getting four, the other team getting one, what have you. But they like to keep it even. And I think that's what's happened. I think because the Islanders play such a tight game, such a disciplined game, that since they can't call the Islanders on anything, they're not calling anybody else either. Right. Either that or every other team in the league is the most disciplined team in the league when they play the Islanders. I don't think that's that doesn't the case, make any but, sense. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it does when you look at the numbers. I mean, if you if you're if you're watching outside the games, yeah, you look at the numbers and you're like, something's wrong here. So, what is the you know what is it? But I mean, I think that it's a combination of the two. No, I th- I think so. I think you're right. But I think we want to bring in a friend here, Mr. Michael Carver from the ILC Podcast. If he's ready to go, he's you all set, buddy. All right, so folks. I want to introduce right now co-host of the ILC podcast or host, host of the ILC podcast. Going back to the point blank the podcast coach. there like for a that. second. The one and only host of the ILC podcast, Mr. Michael Carver. One of th- you used to have one. You used to have one, but you don't anymore. It's just you. All right. So, Mike, thanks a lot for hopping Boys, on. Boys, good to see you. What's happening? Good to see you. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me out. Absolutely. Always thanks love for being coming down. Parlay. Gonna be a good night. Absolutely. So. You know, you were here while we were talking about this great power play conspiracy. So yeah. I want to bring you in on that conversation. You and I had sure. a little uh, off-the-air conversation about that recently, just talking about what's going on here. Right. So I want to get your two cents. What's going on with the Islanders being the, the team with the least amount of power plays in the league, and it's, it's not even close? With- yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of theories about it. Some people try to say that. You know, maybe they don't possess the puck enough, and uh, it's all garbage to me. It could be dumb <laughs> luck. Um, there, there's probably a few reasons for it, but when you really look at it, uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense because the gap is so wide between them and everybody else. Right, right. That then you look at everybody else is bunched. I mean, you know, 29 <laughs> through, you know, the top 10 is just, it's all so close to each other right. that you have to sit there, especially when you're an Islander fan and, a lot of times the Islander fan does feel that things do not go their way a lot of the times. Uh, you look at that and you go, it's just another thing to kind of put on the mountain and say that it just doesn't work. This is, this is BS. That's pretty much what they're trying to so, say. So, okay, with that being said then, Mike, what's your theory? Why do you think it's happening? Put you on the spot. I, I, honestly, I'm, I, it's dumb luck. Dumb luck. I, I really do. I mean, uh, you think okay. that – come on. Now, let's be serious here. <laughs> do you think that they're sitting there – 
in the office, and they're telling Absolutely their officials not. to not call penalties Absolutely on the Absolutely not. So it's dumb luck. That, that's honestly that's what it, it is. Okay, dumb luck. I, I don't have any other explanation for you. I don't believe the whole they don't possess the puck enough thing. I mean, okay. Matt Barzell has the puck. I mean, he's, he's all over the – he holds the puck forever, and he gets slashed, he gets hacked, he gets this. Um, I just think it's dumb luck. Well, well Tony, what do you think, dumb luck? I was uh, just going to ask, do you think there's anything to the whole, you know, Barzell with being you know, chirping, maybe throwing the refs up a little bit, maybe he's not getting those I calls? I think he has an issue with that. I, I do. Um, you, we've seen it a couple times this year. What was the game where he took the dumb penalty, the Buffalo game? He took yes, the dumb yep. penalty at the end. Right, um, And they right. Ended, ended up winning that game in overtime, I believe, yeah, whatever he, it was. Yeah, they but saved him. He owed the team a steak dinner after that. They, yeah. they were up a goal. He took the dumb penalty. The yep. Sabres tied it late in that game. Um, I think there is a little bit of that with him. Um, not saying, you know, guys, you know, there shouldn't be a thing where somebody has to earn respect. Or right. if there's a penalty, there's a penalty. That's just the way that it should be. But um, if you cry and you, and you kind of become one of those guys amongst the officials that gets known as somebody who's going to do a lot of chirping to the refs, could there be some bias against you? Yeah, I think, I think that that's something that could absolutely be in the game. Yeah, the refs don't have patience for that. So, you know, we talked about it, too, I think, before but you got in that doesn't change here. the fact that he gets hacked constantly. He's Without constantly a doubt. Gets With, hacked. Not only that, but he's taking sticks to the face left and right. right. High right. sticks all the time. So, well, I mean, te- and teams not, know they can get away with it. He's not embellishing. Maybe, no, maybe no. you know, he's one out of ten. He legitimately gets – because he's blowing by guys, and he's legitimately getting whacked right. a lot of the time. But, but look, I mean, teams are also going to – see, they're getting away with it. So, I mean, until right. you start calling penalties on this guy, I'm going to continue to manhandle him every time I can. So, Right. And – but that's the thing. I mean, when do you see a change? I mean, I think before you uh, got in here, Mikey, we were talking about at the top of this how even number 91 had an issue with this when he first started with the team. You look at uh, 87 on, on Pittsburgh. He had a little bit of an issue, you I mean, know, complaining to the He's still a young player in the league. No, exactly. So, I mean, do you think there's something to that, that he has to kind of earn his stripes in the league before the refs give him a, show him a little more respect? I, I think that it could, you know, it's not just him. I mean, I, I don't think it should be made that it's just sure, him. Sure, sure. I think if you look around the league at other guys who have been in the league for two or three years, I mean, do I watch, uh, you know, <laughs> enough Canuck games to know if Pedersen's getting calls all the time? I have, I have no idea. You know, am I watching, you know, enough of these other young guys night in, night out to know if they're getting the same treatment that Barzell's getting? No, but I bet you that they are because you're right. A lot of these guys, when they first came in the league, uh, that was the situation. Yeah. I mean, it, it, sometimes when you're, it takes a couple years to be a little vet before you start getting the big calls. Well, all that being said, they're, obviously with their, you know, their, their, penalty, their power play has definitely improved from last year because pretty much it couldn't get any worse when they than get it a was. Chance, yeah, when, whenever when they actually get a shot, exactly. When they actually on the power play, they, it's definitely better than it was last year. Um, talk a little bit about uh, the Jim Hiller hire and what that has meant to this, to this, and uh, what you're seeing and how they play differently than when they were under Scott Gomez. I, I think that you definitely see a little bit more shooting. I think you see them pass the puck a little bit quicker. They don't hold the puck as long. I think that that's some of the things that you kind of notice right out of the gate um, is the movement of his power play is light years better than what they were doing the last couple of years. So th- for me, that's, that, that's the major thing. And, uh, and more shots because more movement is going to get you more shots. Right, you know? and, and I think the that. zone entry is definitely better than it's been in years yeah, past. Yeah, it has its moments, but it's... <laughs> it's de- <laughs> it always that, seems to be an issue, but it's... Moments. That's okay. every team, though. Right, it right. is every team. Look, I say this all the time. It's an 82-game season. You can't right. expect everything to fire on all cylinders every game. Never. You're going to have your highs and lows, but the bottom line is 
this power play a season ago was 30th overall in the league. They were they were among the worst. And now they're middle of the pack. I said it before you got here, Mikey. They're 18th overall. Uh, se- uh, yeah, 18th overall. That's a marked improvement. I'll take middle of the pack. I think middle of the pack, considering what we had seen the last few years, is outstanding. Well, that's out. They finished between 10 and 20. I think you got to be happy. What sure. were they last year? Do you know off the top? They were in the bottom third. We know that. They right, were 30th right. overall last year. Were, were yeah. they 30th? They were 30th, yeah. 30th, 30th overall. last year? Yeah. So if you, and listen, it wasn't close. And it wasn't close. Right. So it's, right. They, I forget who was 31st. Nashville might have been 31st last year. Nashville might have been the one. You know what? I think you're right. But, I think you're right. Um, if they could get into that middle third, 10 to 20, you got to be ecstatic. You just have to be. Absolutely. But you'd like to see them get more chances. To really see, you know, that which right is, because which that's goes the thing back too. To that. You which can't get into a groove, right? I, I think it will even. I out. think I, I think, think it will even out. I mean, they got, I know it's halfway through. Yeah. It hasn't, but honestly, I mean, that is a large because, sample size because it's become such a large sample size that now you know the organization gets on the phone with the league. I was going to say they, and they do say it makes you wonder with with the the steam that this storyline you know. Continues to get right. Do you think that yes. maybe plays an influence into the league, into the referees? I, I think that it, it makes a guy like Lou, who has been in the league for so long, you know, is he is he calling every is he calling every hour or every day? No. But when you get to the All Star break here, he's going to look at the numbers and he's going to you know give a call to Gary or give a call to whoever. And he's going to say, guys, you know, I, I'm just letting you know. Take a look at this. You know, right. I, I've got my team's last, and they've got 30 less power plays than the next team. You know what's going on here? Yeah, I mean that's the conversation that if, you have. To and have. if you look at the if you look at the statistics, the Islanders do not have a player with double digit power play points, no. which is unbelievable no. because yeah, they're but, such but, a dominant th- overtime team. Right, and you would think that that would be that would be their their showcase there, but uh, nine points leads leads all the power play points. Right, but another part of that too, Tony, is you look at the team as a whole. Um, it's not like they've got a couple of guys that are so you know out in the point production overall from everyone. You look at that right. Islander point production, and it is very, uh, you know, the, you have your block of your top six guys and whatever, and then there's a little gap, and then the block of everybody else is right there. Sure. It's, it's not like they have a couple guys that are, even Barzell, who's light years ahead of everybody else on right. the team in terms of points. So I think that that kind of factors in with the power play stuff too. It's just, at the end of the day, you get to halfway through the season, and it's just strange. It's, it is. It's just strange. But it, it's dumb luck. Dumb luck. I, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. I, I think I think it has to do with the way they're playing too, because like I said before, you came on, Mikey. They, the refs like a balanced game. They don't like to tilt the power plays towards one team or the other. Right. So if the Islanders aren't taking penalties, the other team isn't either, because they don't want to have that weight. They right. don't want to have that weight of one penalty against the other. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So. I think we covered the power play pretty thoroughly here. I agree. I think Jim Hiller's doing a better job, like Mikey said, middle, you know, between 10 and 20. That's a big improvement. Let's touch on the penalty kill for a little bit right here. They're 17th overall. That's another thing that's been kind of touch and go since last season under Barry Trotz. They're successful at an 80.3% clip here. And one of their big penalty killers is not going to be in the lineup tonight. Unfortunately, that is Casey Sezikis. He is um, nursing an unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate he took he took a tonight. tough shot. He did take he a sure tough did. shot. Took a tough shot. All tough the shot. Uh, all the prayers go to Casey tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> Soft cotton and ice. Soft cotton and ice. <laughs> so, 
I mean, look, let's just continue that conversation. You know, we, we spoke about it on the show previously. You had some personnel changes when it comes to the penalty kill. You used right. to have guys like Philpiel in there. Yeah. You know, Kunaka used to get in the lineup a little more often. He's in there now. We're probably going to see him killing the penalties tonight. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Right. So, I mean, just to get your thoughts on that, you know, now that you see guys like Brock Nelson getting in there more, you're seeing guys like Josh Bailey getting in there, even Anthony Bavillier with his, uh, you know, fast young legs. Just get your thoughts on the PK and, and how they perform so well, far. I think they're as good as they've been the last couple of years, uh, maybe even a little bit better. Um, it's an extension of what they do as a team to begin with. They are a strong defensive unit, and, and, that, and that extends to what they do on the kill and the guys that they have out there. Now, Casey's their best penalty killer. Uh, Zizek is their best penalty killer, I feel. Yeah, 100%. Without, without question. Absolutely. So, missing him is obviously going to leave a little hole, but you have guys that could do it. Even those guys. I like to see Kunakal in there. I think that that's a good skill set for him when he gets involved in the penalty kill. Brock's very good at it, too. Brock's gotten better being involved in the penalty kill. They have guys that can slide in and replace, but it's not quite like it is when Casey's in there. He's really strong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was saying that. Hey, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was saying hello to Steve Webb. My, my apologies. Uh, I, I agree with you a thousand percent on the Casey thing. Uh, there's, there's no question on it. But the big guy that we're talking about uh, that we mentioned before that we're not going to have for the rest of the season, Adam Pellick. Big problem there. You know, a guy who does just about everything except provide right. offense. But, you know, talk a little bit about what you think. The, the loss of Adam Pellick and can Noah Dobson and Sebastian Ajo fill that role in for, for the time being? It, it's going to be pretty interesting. It's a major blow for them, as we know. We know how strong him and Ryan Pollock have been together. All you got to do is put on the tape of the four-game sweep of the Penguins last April and look at what those guys did to Crosby, who killed the Islanders forever. So taking him out, you know, he's your big minute, biggest minutes guy on the back end. Everything that he does is so huge for them. There's a lot on the plate for now for this kid lot on the plate for him but it looks like he's going to get the an opportunity here and barry if barry's comfortable with this kid in the lineup and he's getting a nice lesson in life in the nhl from johnny boychuk being next to him which is huge too if he's comfortable having 20 year old noah dobson out there then i'm comfortable with it yeah and no everybody question. should be comfortable with it and if there is some hiccups and if there is some slips you've seen a couple of little things over these past three games four games yes but yes. they haven't been um, constant. So as long as they're not constant and you can live with the once in a while little mistakes, they don't become a habit, uh, I think it's a good thing that this kid's getting the kind of burn that he's going to get here for the rest of the year. You think we're going to see Aho in there or he's just up He'll to He'll get a uh, chance at something. Yeah, you think so? I think so? he will because, okay. uh, you know, the, there he wasn't bad a, when he was up the last time. You got to remember also, um, you know, guys have gotten nicked up this year. Letty missed some games early in the season. You never know when that could pop up again. You see, that's the Islanders' biggest problem right now is They've now hit like they're a little bit of a wall now. Now, the, if the next guy gets injured, that's where then you might start to see some heavy issues with. with yeah, you have two rookies Hickey. in the lineup. The easy thing would have been if Hickey was healthy down at Bridgeport, you could have brought Hickey back, and you put you, you know it's kind of seamless there. You get Thomas right. back in there, but right. you don't have that luxury with him still being hurt. So they're going to go with what they got right now, and I don't mind the kid being in there. All right. Well, before we start talking about tonight, just there's a game some, tonight. There is a game tonight. There is a game. We're going to talk a little bit about three that. Three times in eight days. I mean, honestly. It's wild. They, they, got, they got a crazy schedule coming up. Crazy schedule coming up. But real quick, we're, we're just past the halfway mark here, so I figure it's appropriate. Let's talk about some halfway MVPs here. I want to get right. both of your guys' opinions on this. Uh, I'll, st- I'll start with you, Mikey, then we'll go with you, Tony. You know, up until this point, 
Who would you say is your halfway MVP for the New York Islanders? I mean, it's easy for everybody to kind of say uh, Matt Barzell. It's right. easy to do. Right. But for me, um, I think that it is, a, it is a little bit of a combination between Varlamov and, um, and Brock Nelson. I think okay. that Brock's been really good. Uh, Varley's been really good. Uh, aside, you know, him and Grice were neck and neck there for the first 35 games of the season. And now over the last 7, 8, 9, we've seen Varley kind of tip ahead. But I think that just looking at what Varley did, uh, coming in with uh, so much, uh, you know, everybody was so tied up on Leonard, of course, not being here anymore, that it was a really tough spot for Varley to come into. Of course. And of he course. has performed. Over the first half, without a doubt, he honestly should probably. He honestly probably should be at the All Star game. Agreed. I don't have an issue that he's not because you know the only thing that can happen at those things is guys get hurt. So uh, right, so that. I, I, right. As, as much as he should be there over a guy like Jerry or a guy like Holtby, uh, I'm fine with him getting a week and a half off. But the way that he had to come in, replace the kind of year that Leonard had, I think that that's something that you really have to look at and say, you know, that that's something that should be, you know recognized. Tony. Great. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Nelson definitely should. Um, Brock's been great. I mean, Nelson, he, he's winning 51% of his face-offs. He's, he's got, what, 31 points in 45 games or whatnot. He's, he's, he's out there in, in important situations. He's played. He scored some big goals so far this year. He has definitely got to be in that conversation. I think Ryan Pollock has got to be in that situation. He's a guy who's out there. He's got 20 points in 43 games. He's on pace for 40 points this year. Uh, he plays very important minutes. He's a guy who, you know, when he was drafted, everyone talked about his offense. No one talked about the fact that he could be a top-pairing D, and he's been that so far this year. So I definitely think that Nelson and Pollock are definitely the guys who have got to be in that conversation, no question. All right, folks. Well, if the, if the man himself is ready, we would like to welcome Steve Webb to the show right now. Everybody give Steve Webb a big hand for coming down tonight to Parlay. Thank you so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. Get yourself... What's that? Yeah. Get yourself comfortable. Get yourself settled. No rush there. All good. All good. Uh, big game coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Islanders versus Rangers. The first of the Battle of New York, and we're very happy to have Steve Webb with us tonight. So, Steve, if you're, Steve, if you're all set. <laughs> there you go. There you go, a little Steve Webb chant. So, Steve, once again, thanks for hopping on with us. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about was, uh, if, if you don't mind, just talk about the, uh, the W20 Foundation, the Steve Webb Foundation. Just talk a little bit about that and, uh, you know, its mission and, and what you're trying to do with that. Well, we'll get started on that, and... Uh Thanks for everybody coming down. It's pretty cool to see everybody down here tonight. You know, Islander Ranger rivalry night. So no question, big night tonight with the game afterwards as well. Uh, yeah, so W Twenty Foundation basically have the project team up for community. Uh, I like to write a couple things down here. Like we like to engage, educate, and uh, inspire our young athletes around here in Long Island and all of New York State. And we want them to be able to contribute to their local communities by doing some sort of community service project. And then they actually document that on our website. So we, then we digitally engage everybody, everybody at the fans, everybody out there to support them. And then the ripple effect starts, and hopefully other people want to go out and do community service. So we impact Long Island-wide from Montauk all the way into Brooklyn. 
That's fantastic, Steve. That's fantastic. Now, just to just to continue off of that, um, you know, obviously everybody here knows you were a fan favorite here with the New York Islanders. I was a big fan when you were on the team. Uh, love what you brought, especially during that Toronto Islanders series back in 2002. Um, but the question I want to ask you is, you know, you go from being a player in the league and now you're with the NHLPA. Just wanted to, to ask you about that transition from being a player in the league and now working for the NHLPA. Yeah, I just want to apologize up front for the uh, raspy voice. <laughs> uh, I would call it Vegas voice. I just spent five days in Vegas. That's so. what I'm talking about, Stevie. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, go. Yeah. I like to hear that. That's fantastic. Yeah, so a <laughs> left, little, little bit left over from Vegas last Nothing week. wrong with that. Anyways, we are at CES last week. Any, um, yeah, the process is uh, not smooth. Um, I was lucky enough to stay here in Long Island and then I started right away working back with the Islanders in athlete development as well as grassroots hockey. And through those initiatives, I was able to meet more people. Uh, I had to make a really hard decision when I had this opportunity at the NHLPA. Uh, you know, fast track kind of went into the hard side of things. Uh, I was able to fast track a little bit more on the business side uh, of the game of hockey, really understand the macro aspects of the game, really involved in the international, worldwide, Olympics you name it, athlete development from basically Australia back to here in North America. Wow. And so was really able to engage in a lot more projects uh, by expanding and stepping outside. Steve, you, you played with the Islanders for a long time. Yeah, as we told you, said before, you're a fan favorite. Can you just talk a little bit about what the experience was playing for the Islanders, playing on Long Island, you know, interacting with the fans? Well, the fans, definitely. Uh, the fans are what basically uh, kept me here and, you know, Kept me back on the island, even post-playing career, and uh, I love them. I love the New York fans. I love the passion. I love the energy, the commitment. You gotta survive in New York, you know. You, you gotta survive, and I love that lifestyle. And that's the way I played the game: is uh, in survival mode every night. And uh, I thought that was a good reflection of a lot of our fans and uh, you know everybody that's out there. Every, the Islander fans always appreciate that that hardworking type of player like yourself. Um, Sean talked about 2002 against Toronto, that game six. Uh, you, you, you were all over the ice. There was all so many things going on. It was such a crazy game. What was your most memorable experience, your most memorable game playing for the Islanders? Uh, I'd say game three. Game three. Uh, game six, definitely. But game three was pretty, pretty high up there. Always your first game in the NHL where... I did wear the fish sticks for everybody in here. Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, you wore a lot of jerseys, actually. I wore, I wore a few different. Uh, yeah. I, I missed out on these ones, though. Yeah. These were the yeah. Ones. yeah. I was in that stage where they were just trying everything. I know. And I really wish I would have worn these jerseys, the originals. Uh, they're pretty cool looking, uh, you know, unis. And I think they really pop, the brightness, the blues. I think they're awesome right now. Absolutely. Well, you had. I remember actually. You, weren't you? Didn't they have you skate out to center ice with the uh, with the fisherman jersey and rip it off to show the uh, the wave jersey with the on the crest on it? Yeah, they went back to the original Islander crest. Uh, they literally went through about four guys, and eventually they finally went to me and says, "I owe you one if you do this." <laughs> uh, and I'm like, That's "Yeah, awesome. of course I'll do it." And if you notice the jersey that I had on underneath. Was actually Scott Lachance's jersey. <laughs> was it right? <laughs> the one we ripped off was Scott Lachance. Yeah. 
That's hilarious. I, remember, I was he at was that the game. the first guy to ask. I, well, I was at that game, and you skated to center ice, and we were in stands like, what the hell is he going to do? And you just tore that thing off, and people went crazy because they wanted that fisherman jersey gone as quickly as possible, and that was the symbolic thing of you just tearing it off at center ice. It was an awesome moment. Oh, I remember the, I remember the last game that year at Fish Sticks, the Collie, and the whole place was erupting going, no more Fish Sticks. Uh, <laughs> and, so it was a pretty memorable time then. Of course. And you know what's funny about that, Steve, is that you know I'm sure you're very familiar with how the fans felt about the Fisherman jersey back then. But now there's a whole wave of young fans coming through now, and it's making a comeback. They're starting to use their merchandising again. So I guess just the fact that you were a part of that you know, for the first go-around, I just wanted to get your, your opinion on, you know, your thoughts on the fact that it's coming back now. Yeah. It's really tough to, it's really tough to go against it when, you know, that was my first jersey, but, right. you know, I thought it was unique, you know, that was in the time of the start of the third jersey era, and everybody was trying to get new marketing and merchandising ideas, and, right. you know, they went for it, and that's what they came up with, but I liked it, I was happy to put the jersey on every single night, but... Not everybody was as appreciative as that right. of, the, of uh, the fishermen. Yeah, as the stories have come out, I think what Kasparaitis said and how terrible it was, and oh, yeah. so a lot of the guys on that team were have come out later on and said how how much they hated it and how they felt embarrassed that they even had to wear it. I think the guys that wore the original jerseys and then went to the fish sticks probably had a more of a distaste for it than somebody like myself who just walked in and that's what's hanging in your stall with your name on the jersey. So I think those guys definitely would have had a different appetite for that. Stevie, obviously you were one of those guys that loved to throw hands. No doubt about that. What do you think about where the game's gone now? It's kind of been phased out a little bit. Still a few guys that can do it, but not like when you were playing. You're, you deal with the players now. How do they feel about it? What do you think about how it's gone now? Well, we grew up in Rock'em Sock'em hockey era, right? Right, so yeah. Under the Christmas tree was the cassettes that you got every year, and that's when you popped in to watch. And you watch, as, I know this is a tough name to watch, but you watch the Wendell Clark hits, and you watch these guys, you know, stepping into guys all the time, and you kind of make a way for yourself. And that's how I kind of was able to get my foot in the door, improve. Foot in the door, improve. It's as something I had a knack for instinctively. And then I just kind of kept growing on top of that as I tried to develop my other skill set, like skating and shooting and passing. And it, it, it was a lot. It was a way in the door, right? The game was played that way. There's a lot of hitters, and but there's always select guys who could actually do the hitting, the open ice hitting on a timely fashion. It wasn't easy, and that's why there was probably a lot of injuries back then. It's because it wasn't easy, and you would miss a lot, catch a head, catch a jaw, and. There was consequences of that, and that's when you had to fight for the consequences. And it shifted. Now they moved it into, all right, let's try to take care of that internally with you know penalizing, suspending players. And it's kind of phased it out, like you said. Now you have to be extremely smart and committed, and your timing has to be right on, or it's going to cost you time and dollars to do that. So it's kind of opened up the more skill set side of things. Um, I think a lot of the higher end guys kind of enjoy the knowing that they're not going to get their head taken off. There's not that threat uh, of a guy coming on the ice. But there, there's still guys in the game that are able to do it. Not as many because it is, it is a different skill set that has been minimalized. 
and uh, it's going to continue to go that way, I think. Yeah, because yeah. it seems like Ross Johnson, who's on the Islanders now, like similar to you, you know, it seems like that's something that got his foot in the door, and now he's kind of improving his game a little bit. He's getting a little bit better with his stick around the net. He's skating a lot better. So that's one guy who kind of like you got his got in there that way as a tough guy, but now is showing that he's got a little bit of skill around the net like you did. Yeah, not a lot of guys get that opportunity to move up and down the roster, right. uh, especially nowadays. Because like I said, those guys have been weaned out of the game, and and to have guys like Ross being able to move up and down those roster spots, he'll do whatever it takes. And just to get the reward makes him feel like he's he's earned it a little bit. But, you know, he'll move up and down that roster and he'll be a contributor, you know, anytime he gets a shot to get on that ice. No doubt about it. And, Steve, the last one before we let you go here. I mean, you were with the franchise for a while. You, you had the, the ups and the downs. You played in that fantastic series like we talked about against Toronto. There were also some down years as well. The history of this team, they've obviously gone, gone through some struggles since the 80s. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the current state of the team. Uh, fresh owners, Lou Lamarillo is in charge now. They have a new arena on the way. Uh, just wanted to see what you had to say about the, the current state of the franchise. Yeah, I, I wish I could say I had a lot more insight. I'm not in the locker room every night. I don't of course, know, of I don't know how Barry kind of runs the individual communication uh, or versus the, the overall communication. We hear about it through watching his interviews or through reading, you know what I mean? But how it works and gels inside that locker room, I don't have that intimate knowledge, but I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. It seems like he's able to get guys to fire on cylinders that maybe weren't there uh, a few years ago. uh, Last year, second round, going to be very impressive uh, getting that far. And just to see them kind of walking through that growth, uh, it's very exciting to watch. Again, Lou's got his... uh, old school ways and he's right. been pretty pretty successful in developing those ways and uh, only time will tell uh, how this longevity of uh, this transition is going to do. New owners very enthusiastic, you know, very excited, you know what I mean? Again uh, I went through four owners when I was here That's uh, crazy, oh that's unbelievable In a short amount of time uh, it seems like, you know, things have gone in the right, the cards that they've been getting dealt they've been using them and playing them pretty successfully so far well, Steve, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Thanks for being here tonight, hosting, hosting the night here against the Islanders with the Rangers. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I just it. want to say one more thing. Absolutely, sure. please. The Barn Rocker silhouette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you see the posters that were shared about coming down here tonight. Oh, yeah. It looks like identical. Eh? I think there's a... I think there's some IP issues going on. Steve, they may have some royalties for that. You're absolutely right. We may have to get Oyster Bay on the phone. Yeah, yeah. We can get Gabe on the phone. We'll have a little chat with Gabe. All right. I coach his kids. I have to sit his kid down for a few shifts. Sounds good, Steve. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate it. Steve Webb, everybody. Steve Webb. Let's hear it for Steve Webb. Thanks, guys. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. And now... We would like to start a new segment here before we end the show here. Speaking with the enemy, we have my misguided brother, Paul Cuthbert, joining us. He's the co-host of Go Rangers Radio. He, yeah, but yeah, give, give him the business, folks. Come on. Give him the business. Let him have it. So here he is, Paul Cuthbert, co-host of the brand new show, Go Rangers Radio, with Kevin Delury. You can listen to them Wednesday nights. They do a great job. Live show on Wednesday nights. That's at 9 o'clock, right, Paulie? Yes, it is. 9 o'clock Wednesday nights, Go Rangers Radio. If you want to torture yourself for an hour, you know, go listen. (laughs) (laughs) So, Paulie, we appreciate you coming in here to enemy territory. Obviously, this is a 
Islanders viewing party. So I'm glad it. I'm glad you survived so far. Uh, you know, it's it's tough for me because I'm an Islander fan, but I am your brother. This it's, is weird. It's though. a conflict. It's all so familiar, although Paulie, what are you? You're, you're, you're we got to the be back there. We got the back there. What is this, man? I mean, this is very weird. Well, here. I feel this week? like I'm in a time warp right now. It's nice to be a guest. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Look, you want to sit here? I know you might feel more comfortable right right here. And it's just this nah, very familiar for you. Yeah, if you want to take over for Tony behind the board, you you go right ahead. Knock yourself out, pal. It's all right. This is all good. All right, Paulie. So here we go. We're, we're only 17 minutes away from puck drop. The first Islander Ranger game of this season. And the New York Rangers, they made a big ad over the summer. You got Panarin coming in here to, to all of our dismay. A lot of us here thought that he might have ended up on the Islanders. Didn't happen. And right now they're, they're, they're fighting tooth and nail to stay in the playoff race, maybe for a wild card. And I just want to get your, your assessment on how the team's played so far through the first half of the season and what you think they might be able to do from here on to the end. Uh, well, it's been kind of a roller coaster ride. It's a young team. You know, the guys you just named, Panarin coming in, Truba coming in, playing great. We've got three goaltenders that we can throw at you now this, these next three games. Right. Pick one, and we'll see what happens. Georgiev goes tonight. Uh, Second-year coach, uh, JD coming in, taking over hockey operations. Right. Uh, you know, the, the change there about, you know, two seasons ago with uh, Gorton taking over as GM. So there's a lot happening pretty fast. They're a very talented team. They're inconsistent, obviously, but um, you know they're uh, you know they're like the heartbreak kids right now. They they play good for a couple of games and then they'll uh, you know they'll they'll have a stinker or two. So it's it's hard to address. I mean, but most of it is uh, you know discipline issues. Still trying to figure out what Quinn's uh, system is really right now. They give up a lot of shots on goal, uh, but you know the future looks bright, as you might say. So uh, we just got to hang in there and be patient. We were patient up until 94. We'll be patient as long as it takes the next time. So, I mean. <laughs> you had to throw that in right. there. You, saw you, that. Know, you, you guys are waiting well. since 83. So you guys know what it's, it's like. It's been a we little while. Patience. You know, definitely been a no while. patience. Uh, okay, so you mentioned the goaltending with Chesterkin coming up. Uh, you have Georgiev. You have Lundqvist. Lundqvist obviously is not going anywhere. Uh, a little surprised that they decided at this point? Were they worried that uh, Shesterkin was going to go back to the KHL? Is that why they brought him up at this point? Or, or what are you, what's your thoughts on, on, on the three-headed monster now in goal? My gut feeling is I think they – I honestly – I mean, it could be contract issues. He, had the same, uh, he has the same contract uh, deal as like Kratzoff have where he can go to the KHL. He can, he can buggy out of town if he wants to. But I honestly think after those uh, two or three losses they had on the Western Canadian trip, I think, they, I think they brought him in to shake everything up. Uh, Georgiev had, had finally shown some chinks in the armor, especially that uh, blowout game against Edmonton, uh, even his emotions. Quinn, first time behind the bench, he lost his emotions that day, game too. So it, was, uh, it seemed like the team was a bit on the edge. So I think bringing him in changed the whole dynamic of, of where the team was going, shook it up. The fan base got ignited because Shostakhin was coming in, as we call him, Shesty. And, um, and then, you know, putting him in the lines then against, you know, the, the, the highest defensive team in the league, against Colorado. Even though those guys came in, they were a little tired. But they went down 2 nothing. They stuck in there. It was a big night. So, but that's why I think they brought uh, him up. I mean, whether there's trade talk right now, who they're going to trade, it, it's still who knows. Who, who needs him? Toronto talk, this talk, and all that other stuff. Unfortunately, as much as I love the guy Hank, I think he's the guy that's got to go. You might wow. get more for Georgiev, obviously. Sure. But I think, you know, the Rangers actually are technically five deep in net. They've got two, three other studs. 
after Shostakin and uh, in Georgia. Studs. Studs. Yeah, they do. So, um, <laughs> but look, it's uh, for us as Ranger fans, for me and KD on the show, the biggest consistent thing about the Rangers is that they are inconsistent. Uh, they're hanging around. They're, look, they're in a pack, as you guys know, about 10, 12 teams, same point spread. Everybody's about five or six, 12 points out, you know, whatever it is. They stay in the mix. They'll be all right. We're getting closer once we get past the All-Star break. Trades, everything else will start shifting. So they just got to hang in there. So if they go two, win two, lose three, two, if they stay in that kind of back and forth, uh, you know, that's the NHL model. These, you know, uh, Not in the Metro. Yeah, well. <laughs> no. <laughs> not in the Metro, it's no. not. <laughs> but I'm saying, I mean, just like I said, it's just that's the way the league kind of seems to be. I mean, look at all the changes that are going on. Some of the guys have been fired. Some of the moves that are made. So the Rangers just got to hang in there. So for a young team, young coach, as far as we're concerned, we're all right. Let's talk about the coach because I think Ranger fans are kind of split down the middle about whether they like Quinn or they don't. Uh, what are your thoughts on him and how, what are the job that he's been doing this year? Love, I love Quinn. I just think, um, you know, it's a second-year coach. He's still got that maybe that uh, college hockey adage. A lot of us get upset with the way he runs, who he benches. You know, he benched, uh, you know, Kako the other night. Uh, and, you know, a guy like Strom and Kreider are taking penalties all the time. Those guys never get benched. So some of that's there. I, I think the biggest thing for me personally is figuring out what kind of system they have, and I just don't know what that is. A lot of people might get upset with the fact they think uh, Lindy Ruff is, is maybe not just having a really positive impact on the defensive end of this team, which is drifting over into the defensive side. So, But... I like the guy. I've just said one thing. Unless he goes into a tailspin, they would like lose six, seven, eight in a row. I think that's when Gorton and Jay would have to sit back because they have the talent. The future's there. Uh, the defense will work itself out. Uh, you know, those guys will learn. D'Angelo and Fox. You know, Truba's in there as well. Um, and, and the offense is always interchangeable. So from the net out, as far as the future's coming for the Rangers, they're good. So they just have to think, just keep this team together. And then guy psyche, the morale. And I think that's where you look at Quinn and Ruff, especially Quinn in terms of keeping it together. So I think he's going to be all right. I, I, you know, they can't fire the guy now. Yeah. No. No. So, but I, I, here's one quick thing. Look what you guys, what's happening on the island, right? You guys are kind of going through a rebuild too. But, you know, but in the sense of, you know, in terms of your, your young core, you know, not too many giant, you know, huge stars on the team, but a, a really hard-working team. But you have Barry Trotz that comes in here with a, a system and an experienced guy like Lou Lamorello that comes in as well. So if you would have flipped that around and produced two guys running the Rangers right now, would it be different? You know, Trotz experience running his squad and so on and so forth. So I think just think that's the difference right now. But we'll see what happens, man. So, look, I, I just don't think the Rangers are in any position right now to kind of freak out about anything right now. We've got to ride the storm. And they're still in there. They could still get in the wild card. Well, let me ask you this. You talk about the fact that it's a young, upcoming team, and I guess what I want to hear is who who is the young guy, the young guy in this team that's impressed you most so far? Because there's a lot. I think there's a lot of names that maybe a guy like me, a guy like Tony Islander fans in general, maybe not be as familiar with. You know, when you get past the, the names like True, but when you get past Panarin and all that, who's uh, who's impressed you the most as far as the young up and comers? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is a kid like Fox, you know. Mm. And then a guy like D'Angelo shows his uh, talent the other night in the game. Um, you know, up front, you know, Kako, he hasn't seen too much uh, work there. You know, Heedle's played pretty well since he's moved back up. But a lot of these guys are going through gold droughts. Gold droughts. I mean, Mika and Panarin, um, 
and Strom. These guys have kind of been carrying the team offensively. It gets spread on a little bit. Kreider pops in a couple. Um, but, you know, Georgiev's a guy I kind of really like. So when he was, he was you know, getting the starting position there over Hank, that's, that's the kind of guy that you kind of watch and, and see him, uh, you know, stepping up and maybe thinking he's going to take the reins over Hank. But in general, even though, like I said, their uh, defensive system isn't all that great and they give up a lot of shots on goal, I think the future for the Rangers, and like anything else, defense from the net out wins championships. I think the core of this group, I think uh, defense can be learned. So D'Angelo, Fox, Truba, all these guys, Lindgren, I think they're all good for down the road. And we got Ke'Andre Miller coming down on the farm system down the road too. So I think they just got to hang tight there, and, uh, and I think they'll be right. So... You know, as far as the new guys, the young guys, those would be the kind of couple of names that I would think of. Obviously, watching the Panarin show is just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the guy's money. So he's been great. Strong's been great. You know? So, I mean, it's all good. I mean, they're, they're kind of plowing through it. It's just getting the, cohesive, uh, the cohesiveness together and putting it all together. Well, in the, in the, I'm glad that the Islanders are not the only team with former first-round picks that you find out bad stuff in the media. Uh, what do you think Elias Anderson's comments after he was sent home, basically, and, and, and what he had to say about, uh, about being sent home and not, not being a part of the organization right now? Well, I think for the team and the organization, he's in the best place he could be. That's back home because it wasn't working. I mean, he's the guy who threw a silver medal over the boards in, in the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. So... To me, that kind of said a lot to me in the beginning in terms of, uh, you know, looking at it now. It's like any prospect. You hope for the best for him. You know, you see what happened with Kratzoff. You know, he takes off. He comes back. He's all right. And then you take a guy like Heedle who took his demotion, went down, came back out. He's doing all right. Didn't work out for Anderson. I, I don't know. I mean, they don't say there's really any kind of mental issues there and so on and so forth. But it's Mike. And I mean, there's so many, so many kids come through the system. It works for some. Some of these kids are really smart. Not everybody's in Austin Matthews. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's Very just not few. working out for them. <laughs> I was say that's a bad Very example, but okay. <laughs> Especially uh, chopping sticks back to you know his defenseman out looking. Um, but yeah, look, he's in the best way he's gonna be. He's not on the team right now because he was only hurt in the organization. And uh, we'll see what happens. You know, Paulie, a uh, little different situation here this time. Very different situation for a long time. You know. The Islanders were kind of, you know, it was a no-lose, a no-win situation for the Rangers whenever these two teams would play. It's been kind of flipped around now. It's kind of nowhere for the Islanders here because they're supposed to beat the Rangers. They're looking, you know, they're up at the top of the standings. The Rangers are down here. What are you expecting here? The Rangers take two out of three here over the next nine days? No. Good. <laughs> as long as you're not expecting that, that's fine. Because and, anything, and, and less, I'll tell you why. anything less than the Islanders taking two out of three here, and it's, it's not a good situation. Right. Come on, if you know the game and you see the top five teams in the league, they're the best coach, the best structure. They're the best coach in the NHL, hands uh, down. They're playing, they're playing great hockey, and it's, it's working out, and you're getting great goaltending. So the Rangers have the talent to beat them. They have the goaltenders to steal a game. But am I going to sit here and say that they're going to beat the Islanders? No. Do I want them to? Yeah. Do they have a chance? Absolutely. But you guys are definitely the favorites to take these three games, and we'll see what happens. You're damn right. It's very well, nice folks, to hear that. That went quick, but we got to wrap things up. So before we go, we just want to remind everybody we got $3 barn rockers at the bar all night, courtesy of the Oyster Bay Brewing Company. We got free shots after every Islander goal, so that'll be good. Is that right? put, put a couple goals on the board, have yourself oh. a shot. That'll be nice. Uh, also want to let you guys know, remind you guys that Isles organist Paul Cartier is in the house as well yeah. as Isles DJ Razor. 
When we're down here, they're going to take over. They're going to be playing in Colise- in-house Coliseum stuff. They're gonna, you're going to feel right at home like we're at the Coliseum. You're going to have the organ going. You're going to have the DJ going. It's going to be great stuff. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I just want to remind you guys about the raffles that we have going on tonight. All the proceeds are going to go to Steve Webb's W20 Foundation. We have a 50-50 going if you like money. You can win the autographed Matt Martin jersey that's on the table over there across from us. We have a Devon Taves jersey that's going to be raffled off as well. We have this beautiful Yes, Yes, Yes NHL 94 Islanders t-shirt that I'm wearing right now. We also have a Barn Rocker shirt from Oyster Bay. We have another Oyster Bay shirt. We have a pair of tickets for the Islanders versus the Flyers on February 11th. That's going to be at the Barclays Center. Lots of great prizes. Uh, You see the sign over there. That gives you the denominations for the raffle tickets. We'll be going around selling them to you. We want to extend a huge thanks to Steve Webb for being here, hosting tonight. Fantastic stuff. Want to send a big thanks out to Max, the staff here at Parlay. Absolutely top quality here. We appreciate them hosting us here tonight. Uh, Guys, have some food. The food here is absolutely delicious. Have yourself some drinks. Have a great night. Want to thank Mike Carver from the Odyssey Podcast for hopping on with us. Want to thank Paulie Cuthbert from Gold Rangers Radio. Remember, you can check Mike out, ILC Podcast. You can check Mike out, GoRangersRadio.com, every Wednesday, 9 p.m. I want to thank my pal Tony for being here with me, and I want to thank everybody else. Thank you so much for coming down. Let's go, Islanders. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, everybody.